Nathan's just confused by the Jason Mendoza quote. That's why he's no, a no late it, to the it's party Jacksonville, though. right? It's Jacksonville. That's right? correct. Bortles, baby. Bortles for life. Duval. Hello and welcome to Chapel Bell Curve, a stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Nathan. And I'm Justin. And Justin, we're here today to preview the upcoming tilt between your beloved <laughs> University of Georgia Bulldogs. Not just yours, Justin, but many people's, I've been told. And My the, Bulldogs? Your They're Bulldogs. Y- yes, yours. And Thank I, you. what I what I would hazard a guess as the least color-coordinated football team in all of Division One. The University of Tennessee Volunteers. Now, I want to hit you hot off the dome, Justin. And I want to mm-hmm. tell everyone, Justin doesn't know. This is not on the show notes. Justin, I would like oh, you shit. to pull up your hangout window. <laughs> I would like you to pull up your hangout okay. window, and I'm going to send you a link. Are you ready for Alrighty. me? Are you ready for me to send you a link? All right. I am I, almost there. Yes. I'm going to I'm going to read a byline. I'm going to read a byline. This is from Brett Molina at USA Today. Oh, my God. Oh, Do no. you want... Do you want fries with that vodka? <laughs> Arby's announced it will release a limited edition crinkle fry vodka and curly fry vodka. These fries flavored 80 proof bottles will be available for to purchase November 18th. The fast food chain says both spirits are made from high quality potato vodka. The curly fry vodka is distilled with cayenne, paprika, onion, and garlic. While the crinkle fried vodka is made with kosher <laughs> salt and sugar. Now, those botanicals. I happen to know that one of our mutual friends is buying two bottles of this stuff. And I want you live on air to tell me what <laughs> weird mixologist cocktail are we going to make with this creakle fry vodka? Is it? Hold on. So is it? I need. It says yeah, it's distilled. Getting, is it? It's fries flavored. Yes, that is correct. Yes. Yes. What? This is a cursed item. This absolutely cursed. Why did you do this? Why is this the first thing that you you're like? First off, you threw me off when you when you introduced the show and you said hello. This is Chapel Bell Curve because you've never done that before. And then you come at me with this this white dog shit. I can't believe you. <laughs> Look, Peter. Peter uh, is buying. Peter is buying two fifths of this and asked me to ask you I on air. That. He said. Okay. He said. Listen. He said okay. Nathan. That they made this sin so that others may sin. This is like this <laughs> others is may the, sin as well. Yeah, this is the this is sin dilution, and we okay. are going to make we have all right. So we have several we have several we have several thoughts. You ready? So first yeah. of all, nope. right off Hold the on, dome, let me, are you? I need to. You're going to give me the thoughts right now. Okay, go. I was I'm I'm still thinking thoughts. about it. I'm still reeling right. a little bit. I'm. If enough of all us right. sin, they can't get all of us. Go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We. This is the. This is the old. Uh, the old goblin siege tactic strategy with God. It'll work. So, uh, first of all, <laughs> our thought is uh, Jamoka shake, boozy Jamoka shake, right off the dome. Okay. Okay. Because so you it's get like fried. A, yeah, you you kind of fries, fries and frosty. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So that one's easy. Now, now we're going to get into the difficult ones. Okay. So okay. Our, our 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 tall glass option we thought of would be, you put it in Coke. And you do like an RB Libre, but instead of lemon juice or lime juice, you do a pickled okra with some of the brine. Uh, I do. I will say, I think this would make a really, really great Bloody Mary. Just okay. So yeah, make that's a really what, great Bloody Mary. One of the options is a Bloody Mary with extra horseradish because you got to get the horsey sauce in there. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then we were thinking that we would make potato skins and then use them as the garnish, uh-huh. like a potato skin sidecar, you know? 
kind of just get the full okay. the full experience. So this, this is, is f- this is what's throwing me off. Let me just say because this is what vodka is for. Vodka is for cocktails that you don't want to taste like booze. And if you taste your vodka, you have bad vodka one, or you've put way too much in whatever you're making. That's kind of the whole thing. Right, so, so we're, what, that's why it's throwing me off. This has flavor. So here's bad. here's what I'm thinking is we are <laughs> going to be working with the pepper and the garlic. Okay, mm-hmm. so some thoughts I thought of are some sort of ancho liqueur would be a good counterpoint to that. Mm-hmm. So maybe some kind of chocolate, cinnamon, um, sort of like Mexican chocolate kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you could do a really great. I think you could do a dirty martini, and you can make it even mm-hmm. dirtier. You can make it with pickle juice instead of uh, like olives, olive juice, and then throw like a little bit, like get real weird, throw a little bit of beef broth, like a beef bouillon. Ooh. So (laughs) Peter is with beef bouillon. (laughs) Yes. So Peter was thinking, Peter said beef stock that then you put in the sugar uh, chili powder like mix that they use on Mexican candies. Uh Uh, The the other thought was weird. We're going to make, we're going to make this in uh, vodka sodas. Just oh. vodka and soda, nothing else. Just bubbly fry water. I'm into that. Well, the other thing Peter was thinking about was like doing some kind of coupe drink, like some kind of like um, kind of gin fizz style thing with an egg white in it. Uh-huh. Um, but you Ooh, can yeah, also yeah. do a coupe. You could do a coupe drink where you like lit a stick of thyme on fire, a rosemary, and like got the smoke and then poured it all over the smoke so that it was kind of like smoking like the fries. Anyway, you need to think about this because this is happening. So this, as you know, yeah. as everyone knows Sounds- from the last from the last 10 minutes of our conversation, this is a podcast about, about football. college football. About college yeah, football. Specifically, specifically the, Georgia- the University of Georgia Bulldog football team. Uh, and, you know, everybody who knows us will tell you the, the watchword of this show is focus and integrity and just commitment to the bit so that's what we're here to deliver to you so let's talk about this the today's upcoming game um because i don't think that everyone has given themselves a slip disc with the whiplash that i'm serving today and so i'm going to continue until everyone everyone is dealing with some sort of neck injury with the tonal whiplash that i'm currently employing I'm very excited because Nathan Nathan usually makes the notes anyway for us, and then we kind of fill in between the two of us. But this episode, Nathan said, "Get ready because I have been, I have been doing some work." Uh, and it's it's kind of funny to me whenever you do some work on the notes, like you really you put a ton of stuff in here. One and two, it's usually on the games that matter not the least, but less than they need to. <laughs> well, like I Which never I, have I enjoy. It's never hard to be like. Nathan, vamp about Florida for 45 minutes. And I just mm-hmm. like ugh, crack the knuckles. Podcasting is visual medium. I just crack the knuckles and just like <laughs> go in. And I I have a rage white out. And then I wake up and everyone's like, hey, great episode. Real classic. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Great. Like I'm a werewolf or something. But like for the games that are... I To me, uh, what makes a game interesting is it, my ability predi- to predict it. Like, I was mm-hmm. pretty sure we were going to beat the crap out of Florida. So, like, even though I hate Florida more than anything in the world, really, uh, I just don't, like, I think I know what was going to happen. And I and I think UGA is going to win this game, but I don't know what's going to happen. And so that is what made me do all this work. Also, my students are working on a multi-genre project right now, so I don't really have a lot to do with the school. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So, football it is. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about this game specifically 
Well, yeah. actually, I lied. Do you want to talk a little bit about the news around the the around the world? Hit me, uh, hit me. <laughs> the, really, the only thing is that you know we're this late in the season, ninth week. We start talking a little bit about you know the college football playoff committee is uh, stouting, you know, giving us all their unsolicited opinions about who they think is the best team in the nation. Uh, which Georgia's on top still. That's fine, but. Cincinnati fans rejoice. Bearcat enjoyers of the world rejoice. They have moved from six to five. Therefore, there is a clearer path to the college football playoffs for your Cincinnati Bearcats. Your Cincinnati been to wrongs, um, which <laughs> uh, those members of the Discord and those that aren't, this might be an inroads for those of you that aren't. If, you, uh, <laughs> if you're like, do I want to join that Discord? I spent like half an hour yesterday just sharing been to wrong videos and talking about how great that that animal is. So you have that to yeah. look forward to, and that only costs you one dollar a month. Just gonna put yeah. that out there. Well, I we make want this we want free basically. Yeah, we want to support our viewers and patrons that are very interested and live football and stats, and we also want to support our viewers and patrons that are distracted by shiny things as we are. And so mm-hmm. we we have to, we try to do both both. You know, get you a podcast that can do both is what I say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. <laughs> So very exciting news is all I'm saying. And yes, why absolutely. it's exciting is because now they have just two teams that could potentially lose in their championships uh, to put them at number four. That is, of course, if Cincinnati's wins out still, um, they only need Ohio State or Oregon to lose their championships, which isn't that I, wild of an idea. I mean, but also I think, you know, they uh, they could lit like I think they could get in if we beat Alabama bad enough. That's true. Yeah, like if think, we yeah, barely two, beat two Alabama, Alabama, they'd probably put in. Alabama in. But yeah, they, uh, yeah. So, I, I, I think they could get in if we beat Alabama by like twenty points or something, which I'm not saying will happen. Then they, they need to be our big, biggest fan, right? Anyway, let's talk about talk this actual about game. This. Yeah, you want to talk to me about the dynasty and the the history between these two teams? If we got yes. anything, yeah, I do actually. So first of Start all, big. What's really weird is this: these two teams did not play between 1937 and 1969, so that's weird. Uh, they have played exactly 50 times. UGA is winning 25, 20 to 23 with two ties. Uh, the largest margin of victory for UGA was in 1981 at 44 to nothing. Largest margin of victory for University of Tennessee was in 1936 at 46 to nothing. The longest winning streak in the series was from 36. So our 1989 to 1999 was a nine-game winning streak for Tennessee. And the longest winning streak for Georgia was a five-game winning streak from 1909 to 1924. These two are not traditional rivals, right? I mean, they are, but like they really only started playing every year in 1992 with the sort of reincorporation of, of the SEC and the establishment of the SEC championship game. Uh, you know, comparatively, you know, Tennessee has a long and storied tradition. And because of that, they are ahead of Georgia in uh, all-time wins at 11th to Georgia's 13th. They have six national championships to Georgia's two. They have 16 conference championships to Georgia's 14. Interestingly enough, I think I saw on our Discord that uh, with if UGA wins out this year, they are going to get within spitting distance of uh, of Tennessee. They uh, Tennessee has 854 wins. And UGA has 848. So they could actually get one of those wins back in this next game. But also, given that Tennessee doesn't play in the SEC championship, and if Georgia goes to the college football championship, that's also another possibly extra game that you, they can take from them. So you, you could get three of those games back of the six-game difference, which I think is interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, 
uh, you know, a weird fact, Tennessee has yes. never had a Heisman winner. Really? Nope. Zero Heisman winners. Didn't have any in the, like, the late, late 90s time of nope. just Tennessee footballdom. One of the you things some... that's, that's weird about Peyton Manning's career at Tennessee is that he was mm-hmm. like really good, but not great. And then T. Martin oh, yeah. won the Heisman the next year, or didn't win the Heisman, won the Natty the next year after he left. Anyway, what were you going to say? Um, I, I wanted to ask you, you know, speaking of story traditions, uh, you know, there are a lot of things to know about the Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, there are a few of them, really, I will say that I'll bring up today. The mascot, of course, is the Volunteer. Do you know why it's why they are the Tennessee Volunteers? Yeah, because the uh, there was a big brigade of volunteer militia who went from Tennessee to Texas, I believe, for the Mexican-American War. Mm-hmm. War of 1812. War of 1812. Okay, pardon me. Yeah, they're the most volunteeringest folk around. Yeah. Just keep in, for capital, keep in mind, most I did live in Knoxville for two years. So, <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking for the next inroad for me to basically lie to you like a child. Um, much this in the is way not that a I good did with one. Humphrey Mizzou. I know. <laughs> Let me tell you, I'm gonna have to be on. I'm gonna have to be on really, really <clears throat> strict watch on at at the Charleston Southern episode because I don't know anything about Charleston Southern. Ooh, I'm a sneak one. So in. you could so, probably you could probably convince me they were the wrong mascot. I'm just saying. Uh yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just gonna guess right now that they're probably the bulldog because it seems to be a very popular mascot among you know smaller division whatever teams. Um, Rocky Top, though, let me let me. Uh, I wanted to ask you, um, what are your feelings on Rocky Top first? Oh boy! Um, and then I want to I want to paint a picture for you after I Charleston just a Southern. Brief, yeah. By the way, are the Buccaneers? Um, so a very dashing mascot. Yeah. So, I, well, first of all, uh, University of Tennessee's fight song is actually not Rocky Talk. It's mm-hmm. down the field, which is mm-hmm. more of a traditional march. The their school song is. Rocky Top, similar to Glory not being UGA's fight song, uh, Hail is UGA's fight song. So technically, but uh, what do I think about Rocky Top? I mean, yeah, I, th- I think fundamentally it's a it's a good song that's been you know misapplied, mispurposed, taken from its root nature as a good song and turned into something like sort of a a feeble, just Mishkatonic style, unnatural <laughs> shadow of what the song was originally. Like it, it's been, it has the it has just like a touch of the Eldridge to it. Like it's somehow this mm. really peppy song that's very catchy that's been played until much like the works of Jordan Peele's uh, horror canon, like the, the the smiles become sinister is what I think about it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Can, I just wanted to, for a moment, like we have a lot of marching band folks that listen to the show. We're both marching band people. You're still involved with marching band in, in a very big way. Imagine for a moment you grew up in Tennessee and you went and you performed in the local high school marching band. And because you are a high school marching band member in the state of Tennessee, everybody in the state of Tennessee most likely has Rocky Top in their playlist somehow and plays it a variety of times, or not a variety of times, but just an undisclosed amount of times every game. What would your life be like? How How would you feel about that? Rocky Top, everywhere you go, Rocky Top, you turn left, Rocky Top, you turn right. Um, you sleep, you sleep to Rocky Top. You brush your teeth to Rocky Top. It's there when you wake up. It's there at the games. Is this you? Did this happen to you? No, I didn't. I, what? No. <laughs> I was like, I didn't think you grew up in Tennessee, but that's a terrifying no. idea. 
Just, I'm just imagining for a moment. I'm sure it's it's a, it's the case. I would love to know. I I need to know a teen from Tennessee. Tennessee, please. I need you to know. I need to know your experience. What's going on? That was a terrible joke. But I mean, I just I, need I to think, know if that's the case. Well, in East Tennessee and West Tennessee are very different places. Anybody mm-hmm. from East Tennessee probably has a pretty intimate relationship with the University of Tennessee and with Knoxville because that's the sort of cultural. Well, that's sort of the gravity of Eastern Tennessee. Sort of rotates around Tennessee, similar to how. Big, sw- big swaths of South and Central Georgia are just like dyed in the wool Georgia country. And then there are swaths that are dyed in the wool Auburn country in West Georgia. Uh, East Tennessee is sort of like just dyed in the wool uh, University of Tennessee country. And it's one of those places where it's like you don't see a lot of dissenters among the ranks, honestly. Like if you go mm-hmm. to a Knoxville high school, similar, um, well, I've never, you know, Athens high schools are not always like this, but if you go to a Knoxville high school, like at least when I was there, it's like 90, 95% Tennessee gear. Like it, it is the the sort of the entire Tennessee is the gravitational well around which all of Eastern Tennessee rotates in some ways, I think, especially in terms of sports. Um, it's terrible. Yeah. I look Rocky top as recorded by like Dolly Parton. Very good. Rocky top as like a fun Appalachian folk song. Cool. But Rocky top as, sort of a uh grim caricature of a of a sound that gets played a hundred thousand times every every tennessee home game i'm less cool with it that's fair that's a fair and and very just assessment of the situation uh so you know at the show we like to start with big subjective narratives and kind of dial in so the one that i'm seeing a lot of uh is everybody talking about just how great this Tennessee offense is. And I'd love to hear you break it down when we get to the stats portion of the show, because the headline I've seen in a few places and a quotes I've seen in a few places, including one David Pollock, have asked, what if there's a shootout? What if they just get into a a horse race? Um, Talking, you know, in reference to, you know, the most recent development of college football play style is, score the most points and i don't just mean that in an asinine way i mean a how many points do you think i can score uh you know similar to the question of how hard do you think i can throw this against the wall um <laughs> so that that's kind of how it feels in a lot of ways and I'm, I'm very curious to know you know what the stats tell us about that that general perception of what this game could be and if it will go that way uh yeah i mean we're definitely gonna get into that it's definitely something oh, yeah. where uh, Tennessee does have a good offense. That much I will say. I think that's mm-hmm. pretty unequivocal. Well, that's that's important to know. Uh, and the final piece, just kind of you know breaking down a little bit more. I know that you know injuries have been rampant this season. Uh, there are, are several injuries that are still plaguing the team, but we're at the the part of the season where the SEC championship is at the very least locked in. So we have the opportunity to stick some guys out and let them rest for a little while longer. The ones that could change in the foreseeable future are uh the very exciting ones dominic blaylock could see him uh back this game uh is what we're hearing uh media day also said that jamari sawyer is most likely just out for right now and we may see him later on george pickens is practicing with a scout team so he is still moving in that very good direction so we have lots of good things coming for us is there anything else you've heard in the in the realm of just uh, general news before we hop into the more objective side of this thing uh i i have sort of a theory that uh jamari sawyer dominic playlock george pickens are i'm not saying like illuminati confirmed 5d chess kind of things but i would i would imagine that kirby is preparing them to play in atlanta 
right? It would not shock me mm-hmm. if one of them surprisingly played at Charleston Southern or Georgia Tech. And I think Kirby is going to do his damned best to make sure that that is something that comes as a surprise to whoever we are playing. And so I I don't I don't think it's going to be like a Jalen Tua situation where it's like JT Daniels comes off the bench, George Pickens comes off the bench, and we come back and win. But I do think that Kirby wants Kirby is preparing to have his best players against the best team we'll play this year, probably. Right. So hmm. uh that's that's not really like that's like a pretty obvious statement, but and I'm not saying he's holding anybody out unnecessarily, but I would also imagine that he's trying to get them as healthy as possible and he's not going to take any risk because he just wants them to be there if they can only play one game to play in Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. There are, I, I do want to just, what is really interesting about, um, as we are about to move into the stats portion of this, I think that we've heard the same kind of narrative, this, they have a good offense several times this season. Um, and I was just reminded of that by, by somebody in our discord, Kyle Sargent was just saying, you know, didn't Kentucky have a good offense? Not so much. Florida was supposed to have a good offense. We were told, um, Auburn is supposed to have a good offense. They have Bo Nix, of course, the third coming of Jesus. Um, and then Arkansas had a, what everyone was surprised by how good their offense was. And so, you know, we have lots of points of reference that we can kind of reference back to. So I am, I'm looking forward to digging into it. Do you want to kind of get us started? Yeah. On our, on our stats situation. Oh, so, yes. Yes, baby. I tried to treat this one more as like a, in my research, tried to treat this as more of a sort of introduction to the University of Tennessee uh, football team this year, especially introduction to Tennessee's offense, just because we're dealing with a new coach. And, you know, to some extent, Dan Mullen and what Dan Mullen does is sort of a known commodity. You know, what Kirby Smart does is sort of a known commodity. Even even when we played Arkansas, like the Bryles tree with Kendall Bryles that Ar- is the offensive coordinator at um, Arkansas is a known commodity. This is really a, a truly uh, new to the SEC conference. Well, ish. Heupel was at uh, Missouri, so not really that new. But, uh, you know, mm-hmm. new to at least to most people listening to this kind of offense. So um wanted to just start from the top down, talk about their offense, talk about the defense, and then we can talk maybe about how things match up. So uh, Tennessee's offense is good. They are probably like uh, top fifteen offense. I believe they're t- they're twelfth per they're twelfth on offense per SP plus. Pretty sure they're in like the top twenty ish in FEI offensive FEI uh, per unadjusted EPA. This is adjusted for garbage time, but not ag- adjusted for uh, the uh, caliber of opponent. It, they are currently twenty third in the nation in unadjusted um, offensive EPA. Uh, they you know. They can run the ball more than you would think. I think that's one of my big takeaways. But a lot of what they do runs through Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker is a uh, is a real weapon. He's a, t- a transfer, I believe, from Virginia Tech. A tall guy, a very good quarterback. And one of the things to remember about this offense, like one of the things that it really works around is RPO and also RPO with read option tags. And, you know, Hendon Hooker is their most... Uh, he's not only their quarterback, but he's also their most prolific rusher to, on the season. Uh, he's sort of the entire the entire sort of team's offense sort of revolves around Hinden Hooker. So um, Josh Heupel's offense pulls from a lot of different places, lots of spread conference, uh, lots of spread concepts. Uh, worked with uh, Scott Frost, I believe, when he was at UCF in 2017. Um, but Heupel... You know, he's a guy who they're going to play space and pace, right? They're going to snap the ball a lot. They're going to snap the ball really quickly. They're going to have very wide splits on their wide receivers. They're going to have their wide receivers near the sideline most of the time. Uh, And they're going to run them all 
at you out of that set more than you think. They're currently running something like 52% of the time right now. I think they actually have a higher run rate than UGA at this point in the season. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, out those runs, a lot of times they come out of traditional sets, but a lot of times they'll run RPOs. They tend to read, tend to run these really long developing RPOs where the quarterback holds the, uh, holds the ball in front of the running back stomach for what seems like ages before reading one of the defensive linemen and then handing all either handing the ball off, tucking it and running or throwing it over everyone's head. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, I think those RPOs are going to be a real key for what Georgia does defensively. But Hooker, you know, he's 244 dropbacks, 186 attempts, 129 completions, 150 catchable balls, 123 uh, on target balls. So he's scored, he's thrown more catchable balls than he has completions, which tells me that, you know, he's outperforming his wide receivers to an extent. 108, uh, or sorry, 1,894 uh, yards, 855 air yards. So almost 40, about 40% of his yards are coming through the air. So he's not just throwing, um, he's not just throwing short and letting people run, but he's not, he's not necessarily bombing the ball constantly either. 1635 intended air yards. So he's missed some deep shots, 21 touchdowns, two interceptions, 27 sacks on 70 pressures. That 70 pressures number kind of stands out to me. So, um, that is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Hooker throws a lot to his right. He's right-handed quarterback. So that makes sense. Throws behind the yard of scrimmage. Um, he's thrown 25 passes behind the yard of sc- line of scrimmage to the right, 28 to the left. But I mean, his real kind of like bread and butter in terms of, um, completions and like where he really hammers is the right side of the field between, uh, zero and 10 yards. They will, they will throw a lot of short stuff. They'll throw a lot of wide receiver, a lot of wide receiver screens, a lot of like little dig outs and they'll throw the sideline a good amount, um, and, and try to make you miss, um, I think one of the big challenges of this game is going to be not just coverage bust, but just keeping uh, university or keeping Tennessee's wide receivers in front of us, tackling in the open space, which is you know luckily something we're good at. Uh, but you know, ultimately, despite all the hype, this is still a UT team that is 70th in unadjusted explosiveness, um, and that to me has to do with the fact that this team is actually a little bit more ground and pound than you think. Um, mm-hmm. They will throw the ball deep on you. In particular, at 20 plus yards, Hooker has been really lethal going to his left. He actually has five touchdowns going to his left, 20, plus, 20 yards down the field. He's six for 14, five touchdowns, no interceptions, 43% per, uh, success rate, which is pretty good. Um, he is a guy, Hooker is a guy who will bomb it on you, but he is a willing runner. Um, he's relatively accurate. Like he's, I mean, this is a good offense, right? And it's a good, and he's a good quarterback for it. Uh, on the year, he is currently uh he's rushed 112 times for 40 457 yards 4.1 yards average and four touchdowns so he will run to scramble he will run on design plays by comparison he he has the most rush attempts on the team tyon evans who is their biggest uh, running back has 81 rush attempts for 521 yards so he's a guy who will run he'll run off rpo he'll run off the scramble uh tennessee's offense is i mean they're wide open right they're gonna they're gonna run it down your throat and they're gonna try to get guys out of the box to run it down your throat by putting very wide splits on their wide receivers. They're going to bomb it deep on top of you and they're going to throw the ball underneath and try to get their, uh, their skill guys one-on-one with the defense and try to make you miss a tackle. Uh, mm. You know, temperamentally, like this is a very UCFE team. If you've ever watched 2017 UCF, this is pretty much that maybe with worse execution and a little bit worse players or maybe higher higher quality of talent players but t- players aren't as well as developed right does this hurt um, you let's see you just putting your hands in your face 
No, no, no. I mean, it, it's good. I, I, I like to, the way I avoid anxiety is by getting, getting, sizing up my problems, right? So that's what we're getting doing. real nitty gritty. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Velis Jones Jr. is another name that you want to, you want to listen to. He's the most, pro- or want to have in mind. He's the most prolific threat in the air. Five touchdowns on 36 receptions. Um, interestingly enough, they run shot variations about 6% of the time. So this is stuff like fade, goal line fade, all go cross fade, stuff like that. Uh, but it accounts for 10% of their yards, which tells me that that's a very effective play for them because they're they're getting basically an extra 4% of yards over times that they've attempted it, right? Um, they're getting four more percent of yards than than percentage of the time that they attempt the ball, that play. So, you know, they're going to throw it deep on you after they soften you up by getting you running left to right on these underneath things and running it up the middle, right? And so uh, I think that presents a pretty clear challenge to UGA's defense, right? You you're going to be able to, you're going to have to be able to defend the RPO and defend the run with five or six guys in the box and you're going to have to have a really good game from your inside linebackers and your safeties. Um I thought one of the sort of worst kept secrets of Saturday's win was that Nicobe Dean didn't have a particularly impactful day and I think this mm-hmm. is a game where you really need Nicobe Dean to be impactful. So yeah. uh subjectively, I mean, I, I think this is the most functional offense UGA has played this year. Now they certainly are, you know, SP plus would tell you that Florida has best, better offense. I think SP plus has like Georgia's offense sixth, Florida is like nine. And then this offense mm-hmm. is like 12, something like that. So that's off the top of my head. We, you can look it up more specifically, but so I wouldn't say that production wise is the best offense that we've played, but I think just in terms of the course of the season and like sort of the rise of the fall of what's happening, we're, mm-hmm. we're hitting this offense when they're really, they really have some good mojo going on. They're really hitting their peak. Whereas we played Florida after they'd already been pretty demoralized and we demoralized them more. Uh, that's yeah. not, I don't know how relevant that is to the actual outcome of the game, but it's worth saying that like you need to come out of this game fast, right? Um, yeah. They run the ball way more than you think to be a spread, uh, a pace and uh, space team. They like to run it in the open. They like to send hooker outside of the tackles Hooker is a willing scrambler. He will take a rollout for 10 yards every time. Uh, however, they've been hella inconsistent, right? They played, they they scored less than 30 points a game on both Florida and Alabama. Um, defensively, you know, subjectively they're bad, and in the numbers they're pretty bad. Uh, they are currently in unadjusted EPA. This defense is ranked, ranked 61st. They, they're 96th in, or 92nd in pass down EPA rank. They're 95th in line yards ranks. They've been giving up pretty efficient short yardage uh, runs, and they're 76th in uh, success rate, 47th in explosiveness rate. So it's like this is not a this is not really a defense that does anything too particularly well, right? They have their top 30 in havoc. They're decent against the run. They're mediocre to bad against the pass. They're bad on standard downs, right? I think passing on standard downs is going to be a big deal for us offensively, and they're bad mm-hmm. at stuff, right? Right? I mean. The thing is, with a decent EPA and a bad step rate, like this is the kind of team that UGA has to figure out how to run consistently against because they're going to almost ask you to. They run a lot more four down linemen than we do. Uh, they run some tight stuff the way we do that we would call a mint front. But um, a lot of their stuff is four down linemen. And, you know, they just over pursue or they don't tackle or they like rush themselves out of the play. They like, run past the running back. Um, so in that sense, I think that we'll have some success against them. But they do, they do have pretty good penetrators and they do run blitz right so this -hmm. is one of those games where it's like god almighty we should be able to run the ball but i i just don't have confidence that we will um yeah i don't know i mean that's pretty much the picture do you have anything you want to add stats wise other than that i'm kind of curious uh so i'm I'm looking down 
on their average time of possession per game, and it's around 24 minutes, which mm-hmm. I mean is not great unless they're like a really efficiently explosive team. Is that the case with this team? And and if so, like what I'm thinking is if Georgia do Georgia and Georgia do defense the way Georgia do defense, will uh, they be able to stop this team? And if they do stop this team, will they then just kind of get chippy and try to uh, beat us with explosive plays? And will it be successful? How successful will it be? Well, I think you're going to have to beat Georgia on the explosive plays this year, no matter who you are. I think that Georgia has thrown that, shown that if you will try to run underneath, we try to run from side to side, you're pretty much sunk. So they're going to take some shots. I imagine there's going to be a trick play or two. Um, I don't know that this is... I mean, I just don't know this is a team that you can have multiple uh, sustained drives against, which you're going to need to. So I'm imagining Hypel knows that, and it's going to bomb it pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. They get explosive plays in the run game by running it up down your throat until they feel like passing. And then when you adjust, they just run it back down your throat. And if you don't adjust quick enough, they will run right by you. So I I think that this is, if not the best team that we've played this year, because that's still probably Florida, it's probably the second one, second best team we've played this year, just from a purely in-season perspective. Um, I don't know. What do you want to see in this? What are you looking for here? Well, that's that was actually about to hit you with a second question for that. As far as what do we want to see from this game? What is it that we see in this game and say, oh, no, things are going poorly for us? Uh, I think it obviously revolves around this this hooker. Uh, and so I know there were previous teams that we've played already who, you know, with Emory Jones from Florida and also Bo Nix, like all of these different QBs who are meant to be these playmakers. And it seems like Hinton Hooker is actually a playmaker and he's going to do a lot of great things if we allow him essentially it seems like very much like this season the narrative of the season is it's our season to lose now and it seems like every game is a smaller like a itty bitty version of it's ours to lose and so with this defense being defense being so commanding uh, what is it this defense could do to screw that up and what is it that hooker could do either in response or proactively to make all of us collectively kind of crap our pants well i mean you know, this earlier in the year, Josh Van against South Carolina got behind this defense a couple of times. I think if you're seeing guys running free behind cornerbacks, co- that's definitely one concern. That's not even Hinden Hooker. But I mean, in terms of Hooker, mm-hmm. one thing that you want to be worried about is if he's fooling linebackers on RPOs. Like if he's able to pull the ball and throw over our heads to a slant, that's bad because that's what they want to do. Um, one thing that you have hope for if you're if you're a UGA fan, and I, I hope implies that like we're worried probably more than we are. Uh, this is not a team that sur- that surrenders a lot of havoc. They're 18th on the season in the nation um, uh, in havoc. But this is a team where, I mean, Hinden Hooker is at risk, right? And I think one of the things I want to see is like, you don't want to hurt Hinden Hooker. And I, I don't mm-hmm. want to knock him out of the game or whatever. But like, he has had some runs that you watch that against like Kentucky and Florida. And you're like, yeah, that's going to get you decleated if you play that way against Georgia. And and that's that's one of the things I really think is going to change the game is if UGA can get in his face and get him to the ground, um, that I think really changes the game because uh, I don't think they run him much after that because they can't mm-hmm. afford to lose them, lose him. Like their second, they've got Joe Milton, who I believe uh, transferred right now. 
but their their second most passes in a player is Joe Milton with 21 and then Harrison Bailey with three. And I'm pretty sure Harrison Bailey is suspended for this game. So it's like they cannot afford to lose him. So I think if we can hit him a couple of times, that's really going to change what they're able to play. Um, he has a little bit of like the Will Levis, like, like uh, Tim Tebow, Matt Stafford kind of did this too, where it's like, He'll run sometimes, and you're like, how is this working? He's so gangly. He looks so weird. He's flailing around, and then he still gets like 15 yards on you. And so I think that those are the opportunities where Georgia is going to have to really come through in terms of hitting him hard and, um, you know, making him feel it, basically. Mm -hmm. So what are some things overall, other than those just things you just shared with me that you want to see? Um, Pass on standard down. They're not very good on standard Mm -hmm. downs. If you can run or pass, they're not good at it. Uh, I think play action shots early in the game in the first quarter. Um, I just wrote JT goddamn Daniels. Uh, that's just <laughs> what I want. I can't explain it anymore. Uh, Stetson Bennett has been perfectly fine. I just look whatever. Adequate. Uh, and, and you know, you got to start fast. You got to score 10, 14 points in the first quarter if you want to not get buried by this team. And I don't think this team is going to bury UGA, but it, the longer they can stick around, the closer they get to winning and the closer, the more of a win that is for them overall so i think start fast come out put in the knife from the get-go and you'll be in pretty good shape but if you screw around against this team playing and kneeling on that awful turf uh you can lose this game i don't think i would protect uga to win it but i'm just saying you could lose this game like they have talent um what are, what are you thinking um you're right i mean this this team is a very interesting offensive situation that we we have to play against and uh, one thing that I am concerned about that, that has worked really well for Georgia in the past already this season is just stopping the run game. And I, I think that if we can, we can effectively stop either the pass or the run game. We've been pretty good against both. But this Tennessee team is is a better running team than I think we've played uh, for the most part. And it, it, you're right, it comes from different pieces. But uh, they're averaging roughly 216, I think it's 216 yards a game on the ground. Um, and as a team, Georgia is now allowing... Bloop, bloop, bloop. Let me. Whoop. I can't. I don't know where it is. Uh, I actually just accidentally closed up that window, but um, it's not 216. And so I'm kind of curious what that's going to look like, how those two things mesh up. Uh, but I think that I want to see the same things you do. I want to see a good game. I want to see a game that nobody gets injured going to Tennessee and messes up any knees. I want to see Tennessee fans acting right. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Good, good freaking luck with that, man. You know, I, I just want to see, I want to see the last few of these games kind of, we've already, I texted you this morning. I'm already looking forward to the the championship, the SEC championship now that it's locked up because we have to start planning. You know, this is a media show and we have to plan X, Y, Z. And if we want to any of guests or if we want to do this or that. And so I just want this team to be able to do the same thing. Begin looking to the future. Let this game be what it is. Do what you came to do. Get it done easily. And it's just kind of a blip, a flash in the pan. And then we move on. That's that's more or less what I want this to be. I don't want this to be consequential in any way. <laughs> this is really what I'm wanting out of this game. Well, you know I, I mean? think, yeah, I mean, look, Tennessee's been really, really inconsistent this year. Uh, and the games mm-hmm. that they've lost, they've looked pretty bad and they've looked outmatched. And I think psychologically, you know, I'm not necessarily a momentum type person, but this is a game played by humans. And I think psychologically oh. that if you can bury them in the first quarter, um, that they may not get back up, right? I think if they if you let them hang around, then that's when you're... The more this team believes they can run with Georgia, the, the bigger problem we're going to have. Now, 
if it's a close game, but it's pretty clearly like the dam is slowly going to break on them, that's fine. But if you if you have a couple of picks or you have a turnover, they get a defensive score. That's when I think you're going to get into trouble. Um, let's hit some over unders then, real quick. Uh, yeah. Now that we've kind of pictured, we've we painted a beautiful tapestry. Let's let's wrap it up and get this thing to to auction. So how are we? First over we're only forty three minutes in. Holy crap. We're we're we are we are flying through it. this thing. I I believe in us. All right, carry on. Sports. Uh, first over under for you, David Pollock. I mentioned David Pollock earlier. He says he thinks that the this, this Tennessee team, this Tennessee team is going to score more than anyone else has this season against Georgia. So my first over under for you is Tennessee, thirteen and a half points. Over. Really? I just think I think this team probably has to. Touchdown drives in them. Okay. So you think it's just the two? You don't think they're going to get like three or anything fancy? I, I think this team could probably score 20 on us, like a couple of really? field goals, a couple of touchdowns. Okay. Could. Not. You know, I got to I gotta look at it with the rose-tinted glasses. I got to say under. I think, like, I, you know, there's precedent already for this team being proud of what they've done so far with, you know, putting the, the, the ones back on the field um, against, who was it, Kentucky, trying to get them not to score um, 13 in garbage time. And so I think that that's something that it, they're pretty proud of. Proud of. So I'm going to say under for the sake of saying under, and I'll cross my fingers. I hope we get there. I know it's it's less likely statistically speaking, but what do you got? Uh, I would like to do over under 1.5 hooker interceptions. Well, I thought I saw 1.4 before in the notes. And I was yeah, like, I'm not sure why that interceptions? was. I don't think so. Yeah. I thought I was wrong for a moment. Uh, I'm going to say under. He's been pretty good. He's been pretty on target all season. He's only he's only got a, uh, like three interceptions all season. Is that right? Uh, I think he's two. Uh, I'm he's gonna two? Also, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to also say under. I think he's going to probably take care of it. I think he might have a fumble or have like a strip sack or whatever, but I don't, I don't know that we could have... A I can see one. We're good for one each game. Yeah. All right. As I said before, Tennessee is averaging around 216 yards on the ground, and Georgia is doing allowing much less than that. So, uh, at the end of the day, Tennessee over under 120 and a half rushing yards. Oh, I think under man. I I think they're going to have to score in the air through against us if they score. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think the same. I mean, we're going to, well, we're, we're in lockstep, unfortunately, so far. What do you got? Uh, we had one disagreement against the, the 13 and a half points, but. Oh, that's uh, right. Okay. Well, I'll say 0.5 UGA turnovers. So that is turnovers committed by UGA. Point. Okay. I understand. I was like looking at your next one and I was like, that doesn't make sense to what I just read, but. Uh, we're, hmm. What is our turnover ratio now? Do you know? We're two. Uh, two turnover ratio. Okay. Yeah, plus two, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, it could happen. <laughs> They've got good backs. Uh, yeah, I'll say it over. I don't like doing uh, that. I don't like doing that. I just for the, I'll say under, although I don't know. I think if we start Stet, Stet might have one in them. But I'll say under just to be different. Okay. And you have one final one for us? Yeah, 0.5 UGA defensive scores. Bring it home. Bring it home. Give Bring me it home, another. Boys. Hit him over. Okay, Do yeah. I'm, I'm also going to say over. I think 
I think sometimes Hooker puts the ball in danger with the way he runs. I think that this offensive line is okay, but not great. And I just think that we'll probably get a, a strip sack out of it, I think, or a blocked punt or something. I, I think we're going to have a big havoc play in here defensively. Mm, mm, mm. You remember the original Xbox and how big it was? Yeah. That's this Georgia football team. They're big like Xbox, baby. So big. Love just, it. Just, that is you nothing went in there and anything other than... Uh, went just, in there and modded it and just got so you could use ROMs on it and update the software. Yeah. And I got yeah. a, a duffel bag for my damn Xbox so I can play it at LAN parties with my friends. This thing is huge. I need Absolutely. A, a damn sling to bring in a trundle just bag. Like, leave that at home. Just like... Just like UGA football somehow, this thing is huge. I got the XL Jan Sport, baby. All right, hit me with the prediction for this overall game. Oh, yeah, that was the pro move. Um, <laughs> I think this is going to be a game that UGA maybe starts a little faster in. I think this is a game that is going to remain competitive because I think Tennessee has a pretty good offense, and they're going to move the ball on UGA a little bit. I think that we're going to see really see how much we've missed uh, and Adam Anderson this weekend just with you know, maybe losing contain a couple of times against Hooker for big gains, maybe giving up a, a big play that would have otherwise been a sack in the passing game, stuff like that. Um, ultimately, I think this is a game that we win relatively comfortable. I think I have us covering by like one point, although I wouldn't swear to that. Um, I have it. I have this at 41-20. This feels like a game mm. that is kind of going to be close at halftime, even with UGA having a decent start, just because Tennessee has a pretty good offense, right? Um, I will say, I think this is a game that could get out of hand for Tennessee because if you can't, I'm predicating this being a close game at first on the idea that Mm. if UGA, if, if Tennessee can make UGA hold serve, right. If Tennessee can score enough to make UGA have to press, then I think that's how this is a close game going into halftime. But I think if you're Tennessee and you are not moving the ball reliably and you let Georgia dictate the terms of the game where they just don't give you the ball back and they try to have these 10-play drives that last like five minutes, it could get really out of hand. Because if Georgia can rest its defense like that and start teeing off on you and get a couple of turnovers, then the game's just over, over, over. And mm-hmm. you know Tennessee definitely has, has a def- uh, an offense built to come back. like They can throw the ball deep, but that also is going to put them in you know, that puts them in conflict with not trying to turn the ball over sometimes. I've been going forth with you? all this different football math on my prediction. And I've been trying to figure out, because this, this is a game I feel like I could predict a safety in this game. Not that it really, like, comes out in the, the final, you know, you wouldn't be able to, like, math it out if, if the score really is in the 30s or 40s for Georgia. But I could see it happening. And I could foresee that happening with this uh, with this offensive line for Tennessee. Um, and all the pressures that Hooker has actually seen this year, uh, which is really more of a testament, I feel, to him uh, that they, there haven't been more sacks um, because he mm-hmm. is so mobile. So I do think there's a chance that might happen, especially if we're able to shut down the run game and they keep trying to get it started. There's a chance that earlier in the game, if they still are trying to set up the run game, that we might pressure them down into their own side. Uh, we could see a safety. I think we'll see a few field goals. I think we'll see several touchdowns. My final prediction, uh, I was waffling between Georgia 43-13 or Georgia 50-13, just because that sounded fun and, and cool, you know? Uh, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go big. I mean, th- they've gone bigger usually, I feel, for me, and 50-13 to 13 feels weird and good. 
is kind of where okay. I like to to live my life. Yeah, you know, that right sounds there like that, a that, that sounds like a Tennessee Georgia game to me. Weird and yeah, weird, weird and not good. always good. All right, let's get to our favorite segment of the show. What do you say? Yeah, come I'm along ready. now, children. Come along now. This is the Ask CBC segment. If you would like to hear your questions asked on this show, because why would you not? You could make sure to get them to us through a variety of methods. You could DM us, you know, slide in them DMs, get your question in there. You could tag us with a hashtag AskCBC prior to recording on Sundays and Wednesdays and or Thursdays or whatever day we just kind of get around to doing this thing, you know, because um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that tends to be, you know, it happens sometimes. Or you could just kind of, you know, shove a little sheet in Nathan's pocket. You ever see him with a question or hit us on Gmail because that seems to be uh, my favorite way of getting them to us these days, gmail.com. Without further ado, the first question comes in from Madzilla. Madzilla asks, hello, Justin and Nathan. I hope this email finds you both well. Thanks for the Sagrada recommendation. It is a great game that's now semi-permanently deployed on the living room table. In the same category, I recommend the game Azul, if you haven't played it already. Also a very good game. Two questions and a rant for you gentlemen. Why, one, do the Redcoats not polish their Sousas? Two, you mentioned Twilight Imperium a few pods ago. What is your favorite race to play? I'm a big fan of the Snaky Mind Readers. Rant. Actually, we'll get to the rant in a second. This is from Matzel Alexander. I'll get to the rant. Do you want to answer these questions first? Yeah. So the first one, the answer is that we do polish. Uh, this year, you ha- we have bell covers on because of COVID strategy, mitigation strategies. Uh, but UGA actually has the finish on the red coat sousaphones on the bodies of the horns are not uh, mirrored silver, which is the traditional finish for most silver brass instruments. They're what's called satin silver. UGA's sousaphone section actually self-identifies as the satin silver sousas. We're one of the very few hmm. sousa sections that I know of in, in College Marching Band that does this at all. Uh, so while they appear not to be polished sometimes, and sometimes they can get pretty dirty, they just aren't, that they don't ever have a mirror polish on the bodies. Yeah. And second question, what race are you? Do you actually, do you know the game well enough to say what race you like to play? I can't remember what it is, but I really like the sciencey guys who can like, trade science and uh it's it's the faction right um factions the there's the i like playing like science and like advancement kind of um like usually in these like 4x games that's what i like to try to play uh and mm-hmm. i believe they're called the universities of joel nar i really like the like <laughs> academic i'm joel joel nar I'm Joel, Joel Nar, and these are my universities, many of them. Yeah, well, welcome to my Imperium. This one's the Twilight kind. I'm here to tell yeah. you all about it. We've had uh, a lot of good fun in this PSA <laughs> about Twilight Imperium. I'm your host, Joel Nar. Let's get real, folks. <laughs> uh, is there? So I don't know a lot about Twilight Imperium, unfortunately. I've seen it played, and I have zero interest in playing it. Um, but I could be convinced. I have just had zero interest to this point. I do love space exploration. That's pretty cool. But I don't like doing a thing for 10 hours in a row. Mm-hmm. That is kind of where I'm at. But um, as we speak, I'm ramping, I'm vamping right now because I'm currently taking a what race am I in Twilight Imperium test. I'm just kind of seeing how far I can get mm. <laughs> until I actually get to the end of the quiz and can provide an answer to this question. It's incredibly difficult to read and talk and take my cat off of me in the middle of all this. Uh, what race do you want to be? I don't know. Boom. What did I get? I got the Asaril tribes. So there's your answer. The Asaril tribes. What do Good. they do? 
What's that about? I don't if know. If there's a robot uh, faction, I want to do them. I'll just say that. Next question. Oh, actually, rant. Here you go. What in the world are people smoking that makes them think Cincinnati's a top four team? Oh, boy, Madzilla. They have a win over a crap Notre Dame team, and somehow they're supposed to be of the same caliber as Bama, Oregon, Ohio State, and us. They are especially special with their fumbling the ball in a victory formation skills. I'm tired of their disrespect nonsense, he said, quote, unquote. Uh, until we rock and Rocky Top, have a great great, great week, Madzilla. Uh, I mean, I think they're a pretty fundamentally sound team, but they're not doing themselves any favors with just how they're playing with their food, basically. I mean, yeah. I, I think they're pretty good. I don't know that they're a top five team, but I do think that they have, uh, you know, they're as undefeated as anybody at this point. Mm-hmm. My thing is, I just like a good story. And mm-hmm. I think Binturong's are really cool. And I think that if you don't got to have a perfect season, then what's the point? Right. Uh, Dr. Dope Short MD asks, why is Greg McElroy the worst? Yeah, apparently he was talking crap on about Alabama and us on the broadcast. I didn't hear it. I, I don't really have any opinions about McElroy. I think he's sort of kind of vanilla to me, but I know mm-hmm. a lot of people don't like him. Yeah, don't really. I don't have many, many opinions of Greg McElroy. I don't like many of the announcers, though. Imnedvidek. Imnedvidek asks, over under 19 and a half iterations of the Rocky Top musical theme next weekend. Oh, my God. Okay, so here's a question. Does he mean it's played 19 and a half times? Because if that's the case, then yeah. Like it, you could you could give me a 1,000 and I'd take the over. But if mm-hmm. he's talking about like different versions of Rocky Top, right, then I would take the under. Because I think they only play like oh. two versions of Rocky Top. How miserable would it be to be given Rocky Top and they're like, this is when we play, this is what we play when this happens, this is what we play when this happens. And here are all of the different iterations of that song that I mean, we play that's a, in very specific instances. That's essentially what UGA does. It's also what Florida State does. I mean, with Glory and the Chop, well, the yeah. Chant or whatever. Uh, but yeah, they, they don't have quite as many over, over in Tennessee. So that's I would say under, but over if you're talking how many times they'll play it. Because they might play it like 100 times. Yeah. I could see it happening. Eric Gluckman. Everybody knows special teams wins games, and defensively the dogs seemingly have a good thing going, but what are we doing to do about the offensive special team situation? Might it all be overridden by defense wins championships? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if you're talking about kick return and punt return, we've had some bad luck, some bad penalties this year, had some fumbles, some muff fumbles. I think the biggest thing that makes our offensive special teams bad to this point in the year is that they just haven't had much of an impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's that's what I think is kind of weighing down our average. Uh, have a pr- really good punter. Uh, and, you know, I think also just had some sort of s- stupefying misses from what was a very good kicker last year who, you know, seems to be having, I don't want to say the yips, but having a little bit of a problem. But I think that all of that, I think if you can just break even on special teams when you have a defense this good, then you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Gale Self, what's with the sluggish starts? I get the teams are trying to stop the run early, but Munkin knows that. If teams want to play 7-8 in the box early, why not use three and four wide receiver packages and pass first? I feel like this happens eventually. It just takes about a quarter too long. Yeah, so before we answer Kale's question, I do want to say that Eric Gluckman, who who asked the, la- the last question, is a redcoat. He's a uh, he's a uh, Athens trombone president. Um and then Kale was actually my Susan instructor at UGA, but now he's the, uh, I think, director of athletic bands over at West Georgia. But anyway, 
I, I think the biggest problem with the sluggish starts is our scripts. The first two drives or at least one drive of most offenses in uh, college football and pro football, you come out of the gate knowing pretty much the first 20-ish plays you're going to run. And I just think our scripts have been a little bit conservative and they've really tended a lot, way too much to like inside zone stuff or, you know, uh, read option stuff that's obviously going to the running back or throwing behind the line of scrimmage. So some of that probably has to do with the caliber of competition that we've been playing. However, you know, this also happened against Florida, who that was a big game, right? So I just think we need to be a little bit more illiberal with our opening scripts and that'll really help a lot of it. Abby. Stage manager for life. She asks, what sound do bearcats make? Wrong answers only. Uh, just like a... That, no, that's probably too accurate. Okay. Um. <laughs> that's pretty accurate, yeah. I think they probably make the sound of like... You know, when... When you're tra- when you're like you're you're showing up somewhere late, but you're you're getting there and like it's a big group and you're trying to like walk in the door really and quietly, like, hey! but it's a really heavy door. Yeah, well, no, 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 not that. The sound of like it's really quiet because you came in, you tried to like choose the opportune moment to come in the door, and you're closing it real softly, and you turn around, and you realize everyone's noticed you, but it's that sound of like when you pull your chair out slightly and it makes a really unfortunate like squeaky sound and everybody has already noticed you and they've noticed you like mm-hmm. it intensifies mm-hmm. in that moment. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. the sound they make. Probably. I think they sound like, I think they sound like a, like a really raspy nasally uh, Northeastern guy at like a hot dog stand. Like, Hey Sharon, uh, <laughs> <laughs> whenever they Have see you. Have you ever heard um, the doves cry? You mean the Prince song or just like when an actual dove cries? What's the difference? Well, the Prince song is a masterpiece. It's in the, it's in, there's a cover of it in the Romeo plus Juliet soundtrack. Oh, I think the Binturongs probably sound like the Romeo plus Juliet soundtrack. Like just from start to finish. Uh, honestly, every time they open their mouths. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when Binturongs are sad, they just open their mouth and it's a Radiohead song. It's just like, burm, 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 burm. And then just yelling Leonardo DiCaprio, writing in, writing bad poetry in his notebook. All Ugh. right, just a couple of sad teens. That's that's been too yeah. wrong. That's the been too wrong yeah. way. Hundred hundred percent, hundred percent. Christy in London asks a question. I wished I had asked at the time. What would Humphrey Mizzou's D and D stats be? I'll just ask you what his alignment is mostly, but we can talk about his stats if we want to. Oh, chaotic new, chaotic neutral. Might save yep. your life. Might steal your wife. Hundred <laughs> percent. Charisma through the roof. He's like twenty one. It's impossible yeah. by any standard, but he's got it. Yeah, yeah. And he, but he also has like it's those little. He's an ungulate. We I think we established that he has cleft mm-hmm. cloven hooves. So mm-hmm. I, I think simultaneously, like high charisma, low dex, like eight dex. He, yeah, right. I think he's an artificer but, as well. Yeah, but also freakishly tinkerer. strong, like yeah. weird corded muscle, like maybe fourteen in strength. I think yeah, great strength, really low constitution though. He has a terrible stomach. He can only eat very specific <laughs> foods. He's somehow he's, most he's, things. he's hundreds of years old, but he's colicky. Uh, he also, I would say, <laughs> uh, very, very high, high intelligence, low wisdom. So wisdom, I think, is the other. The wisdom is the other dump stat, and most of the points are in charisma. Uh, and this inspires. How would you describe Jordan Davis as a D and D character? Attributes, class, level, skills. Okay, here's the thing. Now I know it is. It's tempting to be like uh, eighteen in strength, eighteen in constitution, and that's probably true. 
But I actually think Jordan Davis has like, so like 10 is human average. Most football players are probably at 12. Jordan Davis is probably only at like 14 or so in uh, strength and then maybe 13 or 12 in constitution. I mean, he does have to come out of the game sometimes because he's a big guy. I think he has pretty high dexterity. I think his dexterity might be as high as his strength. Like Very 14. high. Uh, I, I think he, I don't, I don't know him personally, so I couldn't say anything about wisdom or charisma, but I'm imagining pretty good charisma, but I actually think his best stat is intelligence because I think mm-hmm. one of the things that he's best at is game awareness and like tackle shedding and like vision and like his, his sort of like kinesthetic intelligence is very high and just his, his ability to move in space and understand like the physical relationship between him and the people around him and also just have an awareness of where people are at all times, I think is probably his biggest like obviously he has insane strength and compared to a normal human, but like I think the thing he does that is like superhuman is his just sort of like game awareness, which to me feels like intelligence, or like yeah. wisdom maybe. Like wisdom is the perception stat, so maybe it's high wisdom. Mm-hmm. Final question from Christy in London: How badly was uh, JT Daniels' draft stock been damaged by the Sears injuries, and is it at all realistic that they might convince him to come back for one more season to properly show what he can do? Um, I don't think he'll come back. I think it's hurt his draft stock, but I still think he might be a day two pick because the quarterback class is not very good this year. So I don't think he's any longer probably a uh, you know first round pick kind of guy. But I think he could go in rounds two through four maybe. But I don't know anything mm-hmm. about the the draft. Who can say? Eric Russell, are the Redcoats doing anything to guard against flying water bottles and golf balls at Neyland? Uh, we're actually not nearly as close to the field as UT's band is. UT's band is in I think significantly more danger from those like big arcing shots that's good i was pretty concerned about that uh yeah see lucky rubes does it seem like the turf at ut is unusually loose or does this just seem like kind of bias uh based on past experiences uh it is it's i i have read and i heard when i was over at ut when i lived in knoxville i you know there's a lot of talk about how uh, uh because of the angle of where the Neyland sits on the river and also because it has a very high stand high um it has very high steep walls all the way around and also it is like on one side the field is below street level on one side the the side away from the river the street is actually above the field level like you come in about midway through the stadium uh that makes it apparently very hard to get sun on the field and also very hard to drain because it is sort of landlocked by a bunch of other buildings uh, similar to UGA, but with a little bit less space, I would say, uh, because there's roads all around it and there's a couple, there's like a parking deck right on it. And then, you know, it itself houses like a massive underground complex uh, underneath it, which makes it very hard to drain. So my understanding is that like, that is something that people take into account when they plan to play Tennessee, like different, different cleats, all that kind of stuff. Interesting. That was actually, I mean, playing Ultimate Frisbee, we did the same thing. Like some, some fields, you had to change your cleat style. Uh, you can... Uh, take out some cleats or some spikes in your shoes and, and put in different ones, just depending on where you're going and where you're playing. Mm-hmm. It's important. Okay, Sarge. Now, I'm not a football surgeon or anything, and here's his disclaimer, but all the postulating about which quarterback gives us the best chance to win against an elite defense has me wondering, wouldn't that be easy to figure out during practice? If Stett and JT are both getting chances to line up against the defensive starters, even not at full speed, the coaches are getting an idea of how they'll perform versus a playoff caliber opponent. Parentheses. I'm aware the scout teams exist, and it's probably not normal for the ones on both sides of the ball to line up against each other at practice. But I have to think that Iron Sharpens Iron, and if you need to know, 
how he'll perform against a great defense. Having the best defense to practice against can't hurt. Close parentheses. Well, this is a good question, and he's right. I mean, they do have 1v1 periods. They have good on good periods every week in practice, multiple periods. And that is why Stet is starting is because he's looked better in practice. I think if you gave and, – and Kirby, I think, you know, because this is how he communicates as a coach, might be a, a touch reductive about saying, well, you know, it's all about who plays the best in practice, which it is. But talking about who's playing the best in practice, it's it's sort of like uh, it's like measuring speed versus measuring acceleration, right? Speed, you can take it a snapshot. Acceleration, you have to have some kind of like time curve, right? And mm-hmm. and it's so it's not just about who's playing the best practice, but it's about like where they are in their progression. Like, is I, I think probably JT played himself into the snaps that he got last weekend, and I believe that he probably had not been practicing well because he was rusty. Uh, I think the people would argue that, you know, ultimately you have to give him some game snaps to get him in shape because you can go against the number one defense and practice all you want, but ultimately you're not getting hit at practice and you know, you're not getting hit and the other team knows you're not getting hit. So no matter how competitive you are, no matter how good a practice player you are, it's just a different thing when you're in the team, in the, in the, you know, actual game with a uh, hostile, a hostile crowd. And, and, and I think hostile. too, like, I think that, that JT is going to get more playing time as we go forward. I think I think Stetson uh-huh. will probably start this weekend, but I think JT will play more than he has in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, final question. Splooey, a.k.a. Mr. Jacob R. Borland, what even is a hollaback girl? I mean, you know, a few times I've been around that block, I guess. I I, uh, I thought a hollaback <laughs> girl was like what we might call a thought in modern parlance. No. No. no, no, it's it's someone perceived as a thought, but doesn't have any issue with hollering back. Oh, well, good for her. Yeah, she's beautiful. Good. Thank you it's for someone, informing me. Someone nasty saying, mm, I bet she wants a compliment and then yelling said compliment in an unsolicited way. And she lets them know I did not want that compliment in <laughs> no shortage of words uh, that are usually fairly colorful or um, derogatory and deservedly so. Uh, Good for her. That is that's a hollaback girl. Gwen Stefani that's what taught I have me. To say. Good. I did listen to a lot of Gwen Stefani growing up. Big big fan. Big fan. Yeah, <laughs> big fan here. Big fan here. Big fans over here. Hey, uh, I got a question for you. Yeah. <laughs> are you looking for something fun to do this holiday season? I am, always. Ugh, come celebrate the season in sunny Miami as Dorothy Rose, Blanche, and Sophia, you know those names, right? They star on their brand new hilarious holiday presentation of the Golden Girls, the Lost Episodes Holiday Edition at Outfront Theater Company. Nathan, have you heard of them? Yes, I have, because they are the workplace of our beloved Abby, who is, I believe, the stage manager there. Uh, I assume she's the boss of the theater. Yeah. Or the proprietor of some kind. She, she walks it is, in with her monocle. Uh, it is, I believe, a theatre, not a theatre. The yeah. classical spelling. This yeah. is actually, did you know the Outfront Theatre Company is the only LGBTQIA plus theatre in the Southeast? I did not know that. It's a shame that that's the only one in the Southeast. Let me just say that right now. That is a shame. Uh, I am shamed. But the show will be running for two weekends, December 10th through the 19th, with Saturday shows at 8 p.m. and 10.30 p.m. and Sunday showings at 3 p.m. If you're like me, hit that Sunday 3 p.m. show up because that is a wonderful time to be able to get to Atlanta, get back home from Atlanta, 
and not have to deal with the nighttime. I hate the nighttime. It's a terrible time. I wish it didn't <laughs> exist. Check out Outfront Theaters, Theatre's website for tickets and information about their COVID-19 policy, but also to see when the show's playing, because you probably didn't hear anything I just said. So go check it out. OutfrontTheatre.com. Aha. Nice. I should read that was ads our... for a living. Yeah, you're good at it, man. You're good at it. I love it. I've listened to so many podcasts. I was made for this. So You were. You're so ready. All right. Are you <laughs> ready for our last segment? Because we have one last segment. I am ready segment. for our last segment. It's a, a powerful thing to go out on, I, I, I would it say. It really is. I, always is. This is Yara's Rage Against the Machine. Rage so hard. Yara's Rage, November 10th, 2021. Just Yara's getting so much, just so much, not, I won't, I don't want to say better, but it's really kind of growing into its own thing here. And we'll, we'll have yeah. to post this. It's an artistic to the Twitter format. As well. It's truly an, an art form now at this point. Number one, describe how you think the game will go in three words. Go! Uh, I, well, Rocky Top sucks. I don't know that Yar, I don't think Yar is going to this game and actually really, uh, you're really saving yourself. You're saving yourself a bad experience. It's, it's, uh, it auditorially, it's a, it's a beautiful place. Knoxville is beautiful country, but the, uh, the stadium and the auditory experience in said stadium is suboptimal. All right. Mm. Yeah. Tennessee volunteers. No, that's three words for me Two. Okay. Don't clown me for this question, but who is George Pickens? I've heard a lot about him recently, but I don't know who he really is. Don't clown me. My brain is a so smooth dog. And she's provided a helpful, they've provided a helpful sort of, uh, it's a beautiful brain di- drawn. diagram. Yeah. Of her, of her brain versus, or their brain versus a normal brain. I, I, okay. So I actually don't blame you for not knowing this because George Pickens is by far UGA's best wide receiver who blew his ACL out before the beginning of the year at practice. So given that you are a newly minted, uh, one might even say puppy of a UGA fan, uh, I think it's very reasonable that you would not know this because he hasn't actually been healthy while you've been a UGA fan. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was, he played last year, but you know, he was number one. He's number one. He's that's his number. But uh, obviously that was a suboptimal viewing experience for everyone. For sure. Number three, I have my first real weekend without any responsibilities. What should I do? I think should we could you give, do? I think I, we could give all sorts of things that we could do in Athens, but I would like to give uh-huh. you some hard-fought, like, post-college wisdom, okay? Mm. I think for people who, and and I, and I, and for you, I'm, this is my read of Yara, but I'm not sure that this is true. But for people who hold themselves to a very high standard and are involved in a lot of things, which based on your email signature, I know is the case. Uh, one thing that can be very hard is to give yourself to do permission to do whatever you want. And what I would say is, uh, if I say, what do you want to do? And you don't know, then the answer can be nothing. It's a fine hmm. thing to do. It's a fine way to spend a weekend. If you want to spend a weekend sitting in your dorm watching reruns of a show you've already watched or reading a book you've already read, let yourself do that because that's what you need. You know yourself better than me, right? If you want to go outside, I have some cool things that you could do. Athens mm-hmm. is a very good farmer mar- farmer's market. If you haven't checked out the botanical gardens, it's well worth your time. Um, I don't think you're 21, so that limits some of the advice I could give. Go get a good, hey, eating dinner alone, more oh. fun than it seems like it would be. Oh, going to I love a, it so going much. To, going to a new restaurant alone and approaching it not as like, I'm sad, I'm not around anyone, but approaching it more as like, this is an experience that I get to have for me and I'm taking myself on a date. 
can be very, very powerful. But I would say, yes, you know, if I say, Yara, what do you want to do this weekend? And you don't know, the answer can't be nothing, right? Nothing is something. I, nothing is something, right? Like nothing sitting is something. around and doing the thing you like to do, whether that's play video games, watch bad TV shows, crochet, cross stitch, whatever. Lay on the ground. Lay on the ground. Yeah. Go home, see your Stare parents, at the wall. whatever you want to do. Yeah. I, I think giving yourself permission to be kind to yourself is one of the... I think one of the best things that you can do as a college student, right? And sometimes being kind to yourself is not doing anything. Like your your value on this planet has nothing to do with your productivity. So like your your relaxation time doesn't have to be productive. Like this weekend, I'm going to see my parents. I'm going to watch the game. I might go over to a friend's house for dinner. And then I'm going to play Magic the Gathering for like eight hours. Ad nauseum. Yes, literally. Ha, I got that joke. ha. <laughs> That's a magic joke for those of you uh, initiated. Uh, based off what we saw last week, do you expect our Lord and Savior? I'm going to sing that because it's it's beautiful script, and I want to try and translate that to this audio medium. Lord and Savior, JT Daniels to start and or play this weekend. Why or why not? I think he will play. I don't know that he'll start. Uh, I don't think that you want your first start in two months to be on the road at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's not really, we don't really need him to at this point but we'll see get some reps in bud do you have any strategies on how to get jordan davis to sign my sousaphone that's the sound effect i added to the hearts <laughs> all around jordan davis there for you and you know the actual mm. way you get this done yara yeah. I, I i'm telling you the actual way you get this done jordan davis loves the band just dm him on something like snapchat instagram whatever like slide into those dms i mean like figuratively not I mean, you, whatever you want to do, but slide You're into his DMs a lot of mixed ask signals for the right signature. <laughs> slide, platonically slide into his DMs, <laughs> all right, and see if you could get him to sign your horn. There we go. Oh, put some clear tape down before he signs it because I don't want to have to clean it off your horn. All right, that's next. fair. Yeah. Any recipe recommendations? I want to cook something new, but I don't know what to make. Uh, I don't know what their kitchen situation is. I don't know if they're I in a dorm. To... No, no. You know what? I know they have an apartment. I remember. I know where mm-hmm. they live because I remember I saw a rant. So they have a kitchen. Um, I don't know what the dietary restrictions are. Yara, you're on this call live. Do, what do you, are you? Are we looking vegetarian, <laughs> vegan, um, or, 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 or just like eating everything? Don't just don't eat everything. pork. Okay. Heard. So I like to pick a type of cuisine and experiment with it. I am a big Cuban food guy, like my family's yes. from Tampa, and so I have a lot of cultural experience with Cuban food from my childhood. Uh, I think it's fun to try is to pick a cuisine and like just pick staples. Another very fun thing for me is to like work my way through a cookbook. I have a D&D cookbook that I've spent the last year working my way through. It's all recipes based on Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, that would be my advice if you're looking for a recipe. What, what do you think there, Justin? Uh, we have in our home, we love tacos first and foremost, but that has branched into loves of other, uh, Latinx foods, specifically enchiladas. We have an enchiladas recipe that I actually just shared with the discord. That is my go-to enchilada recipe. Now it has been perfected week over week. It is what got me through last year. I ate so many enchiladas. Everything you need for this is either at Kroger or at your local, uh, uh, 
Mexican grocery store here in Athens. Uh, so go check it out. It's not difficult. It's super easy. Uh, and it they heat up really well, and they're really, really delicious. Uh, we take the secret for us is in the method. Like, don't do anything fancy with your chicken. You just basically blanch it or boil it with uh, some broth or some stock, and then you put the bay leaf, some peppercorns, some salt and pepper in there, and then you make that into your enchiladas. You also want to flash fry your tortillas. It is outstanding. If you want to get real oh. wild, tortillas are surprisingly easy to make. I have Go ahead. That is an, I have one other recipe that is so easy. Uh, Thai-style coconut curry. You need curry paste. You need uh, a can of coconut milk. You need literally any vegetable that you want to stir fry, rice, and a protein. You just get everything stir fried up. You put the curry paste in the stir fry when it's still dry. Cook it sort of dry for a little bit. Put the coconut milk on it. Add a little bit more curry paste and just sort of cook it as a stew for like five, ten minutes. Serve that crap over rice. You can make it as hot or as hot as you want. Serve that crap over rice. If you want to make it hot, you can add some... um, some gochugaro or some like uh thai chili paste or even just like um like rooster sauce or whatever the uh whatever thai hot sauce you want to you, you want to use but it is so easy and it is like one of my favorite dishes on this planet it's good stuff. red chili really paste is stuff. the kind of paste you want please next question please explain what the plus slash minus means in college football predictions because a bitch is lost okay i don't i'm confused about this one i i think she's talking about the annotation for the betting lines plus slash Mm -hmm. minus plus minus is usually a stat used to in basketball and baseball to calculate like the impact of a of a of a player on a season and it's in the nba mostly uh but i think that she means like uh, i think plus minus is like an over under annotation is what she's talking about um Um, it could be that it could also be the okay uh, oh plus okay plus 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 yeah yeah uga plus 48 okay i'll explain this So this, is that, is a bet, that is a uh, the spread. It's what's called a betting line. So if you are an odds maker and you are taking bets on football, you cannot accept the same odds on two teams when they're unevenly matched. So for instance, let's say UGA is playing like the high school team or whatever, some like Charleston Southern. Pretty much 99.99% of the time, UGA wins. If you were paying out $1 for every dollar bet on UGA, you would go bankrupt, right? Because... Everyone would just bet on UGA because everybody knows no matter what happens, the end result is going to be the same, no matter what the score is, right? So there's a lot of ways that you can fix that. One of them is in the money line, but and you can do juice or whatever. We don't want to talk about that. So so over-under, or not over-under, but plus-minus is the spread. So if we say the spread is UGA minus 40 points, what that means is if you bet on UGA, their score has to be over the opponent score if you subtract 40 points. So basically they have to win by 40. If you bet on an underdog, it's what's called taking the points. So what you're saying is they don't have to win, their score just has to be higher than the uh, than the guy than the team that's favored by, you know, plus these points. So if, if UGA is not favored against Alabama and this and the line is UGA plus 5, if UGA wins or if they lose by 1 2 3 4 or 4, then you win. Right. It's a way to basically a it's a very good measure because Vegas is very good at predicting football games. So it's a very good measure of what Vegas thinks about the game. So, for instance, UGA is minus 20.5. So you Vegas thinks that UGA is going to win by about 20 points. And you're betting not whether or not UGA is going to win, but whether or not going to win by more or less than 21 points. Right. So that's what 
the plus s minus it's the it's the line uh not a question but i am going to use my chaos for good right now come to the trombone choirs concert tonight at 7 30 it's at ramsey hall that is in exactly 54 minutes from the time hey, you were, why are you, you still on this right call <laughs> yeah, dude you gotta get to rehearsal go it's gonna be so nice uh is beer actually good that's another question i hypothetically tried it once and not gonna lie it tastes like bread it's part of it a lot of grain uh, in beer. yeah i think i think beer is there are a lot of types of beer it's kind of like asking if wine is good like Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think everybody likes wine or everybody likes beer. I'm sure there are people who will try all the different types and still hate it. But if you think beer is just like, okay, there's probably a type of beer you would like. Yes. There is now, something out there for everybody. Hold on, yeah. I feel legally obligated as someone on Redcoat staff to say, don't drink until you're of age. But hypothetically, if you were 21, because I know that's what this question is about, I would say, if you just think it's okay, we could probably find you one. Mm-hmm. right there's something i think about uh, it's something i i was told once by a used car salesman when i was trying to buy a car and he said there's an ass for every seat and there's a seat for every ass and so that's how he that's like his life philosophy which i really uh love that's powerful energy but you can relate yeah. that to things like this it's like saying i don't like x is a big statement it's a powerful energy but there's a lot of x out there and it's just a matter of, uh, you know, trying something new every day. Get a little lost. Do something that scares you. <laughs> Taste some beer. <laughs> uh, and finally, the last question. I don't understand this one because it looks like it's either missing it or I don't understand I this think, interpretation I think of this symbol. It says, are you today's date? Because you're an 11, I believe. Oh. It's the 10th. Well, maybe she thought it was going to get recorded. They thought it was going to get recorded <laughs> tomorrow. Who can say? That's our show. Do you want to see us out? Today is eleven ten twenty one. This is a show about football. We talk about yes. football about as and much dates. as football is on the oh, TV. Oh, we, hey, we're idiots. He's saying, or they're saying, because you're an eleven out of ten, like eleven slash ten. Uh, we're stupid. You we're stupid. Tomorrow, Yara. This is why we can't. This is why we can't date someone as smart as Yara. I, I don't know. Our wives, are, our wives are smarter than us. Man, it must have been hard <laughs> to get through to us. We're stupid. All right. See us out, Justin. Oh, okay. I'll see us out. I'll do that thing. This has been, obviously, Chapel Bell Curve. You know the one. You know the show. The one that we do uh, twice a week. Um, hello. If you want to... What? Hello. <laughs> What's happening? I'm trying to just keep that... Uh, case. Well, I said hello at the beginning, and you got you got. You did. Out, hello. So this has been Chapel hello. Bell Curve. You know, where you can find us, wherever you found us today, on iTunes, Google Play, pretty much anywhere else podcasts are found. You can get in touch with us on Facebook, social media, email, all those different things at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com or just by searching Chapel Bell Curve, because we got there first. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead, leave us a rating and a review. It could be good, mm-hmm. it could be bad. If it's bad, we'll probably mm-hmm. read it and check it for spelling or grammatical errors, because that is who we are. And we are mm-hmm. unashamed of that. If you mm-hmm. love today's episode, though, feel free to join us on Patreon. It's just a dollar a month, and you can join a burgeoning group of, uh, <laughs> I think I said chuckle fucks last week. Um, for just a dollar a month, you can join us. It's a great conversation. Lots of weird things going on, enthusiasm all around. Uh, you can support the podcast and join the growing community. We'll catch you in... <laughs> 
this is actually a holdover from a couple weeks ago, and I don't think I read it. So I'm just going to say it again because it makes me laugh. We'll catch you in Jason Mendoza's hometown next week, <laughs> which is no longer true because <laughs> we copy and paste these notes. But until then, go dogs. Go dogs. <laughs> <laughs>